Music technology is more accessible than ever before. With tools like Ableton Live and Serato, more and more people are getting the opportunity to use their musical creativity to produce music and DJ. My name is Mitchell, and I am one of the music production instructors at the Maven School of Music Technology. Maven offers short-term DJ and music production programs for busy adults. Our small group evening and weekend classes provide practical solutions for people looking to add music to their lives. Whether you decide to pursue a career in music or explore your creativity as a hobby, music education can be a life-changing experience. Our school is located in Central Square in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Beginners are welcome and encouraged. Go to www.maven.com to learn more. That's www.maven with four M's.com. And mention the I Think This Is Great podcast and get 10% off tuition on any of our group programs. This is Clay Inferno, a.k.a. Clay Fernals, and we are here for the first episode of my new podcast. I think this is great, and I think this is great that you guys joined me today. My first guest is Leah Joy Malberg of Compassionate Muse, a friend of mine for a long time, and what she's doing in her sphere of work is very important, I think. It's, uh, it's to get people to be nicer to each other, not only in the world, but in the workplace. And you might be wondering, what is this new show? What's What was that intro music? Well, let me tell you. I'll start with the intro music. That's uh, Cooper Yardy's House of Harm. Very talented goth boy band here from uh, from Boston, Massachusetts. Uh, he's kind enough to lend me his track. So shout out to Cooper on the top here. I'm sure he'll be on the show sometime soon. Format, I'm going to do a season of these shows and then a second season, if all goes well. Um, I started this uh, along with taking a class in how to podcast. I've already been podcasting for a while at leaguepodcast.com, talking about comic books and movies. And this one is uh, my solo show. Uh, so we're going to get to talk about a lot of different things that aren't that. And I'm sure my guests from League Podcast will be welcome to come on here to talk about what they want. Um, but this one is more specific to productivity, to people living their lives today in 2018 and 2019 and how to live a better life and what's frustrating about life and what's cool about life and what things are great and what we're excited about. It's going to be a lot of different things. It's going to be some people reporting on what they're doing in their lives. Like maybe they have a book out. Maybe they have a comic book out. Maybe they have a movie out. Uh, Maybe it's someone like LJ that does really interesting work and I just want to talk to them. Maybe it's somebody that's working in a compassionate way toward the society as a general rule. Uh, let's say a social worker might be on the show. Uh, so as I said, we're going to do this in seasons. This is episode one, and I'm very excited to share this with you. And without any further introductions, here's LJ and I's talk about the compassionate muse. Thanks for joining, guys. This is a brand new podcast. I'm Clay Inferno, and you might know me from such things as 
the internet and <laughs> other podcasts I do. But anyways, I'm here with my very, very good friend, LJ Malberg. Thank you so much for joining me on this podcast. Oh my goodness, Clay. It is such a pleasure to be here. Thanks for having me. Part of the reason that I'm even doing this podcast, it, it's almost like a snake eating its tail. It's because of the Facebook video that I saw you do a couple weeks ago, where you're introducing your new brand and your new business. And uh, it was such a sincere, wonderful, nice thing that you're doing for your work. And uh, and I know a bit of your journey that got you here. And I think people need to know this story a little bit. So would you would you tell us a little bit about like your new company? Yeah. Um, wow. What a lovely tee up. I am really honored to share this with you. Um, thank you for having me and for your interest. And um, yeah, it's it's been quite a journey. Um, so I wasn't always LJ Malberg. Um, I used to be known as Leah or Leah Joy. And um, I've been in the arts and entertainment business uh, for a, almost 23 years now. Um, started that journey when I was in my late teens as a dancer and um, a singer. And uh, I was a professional ballroom dancer in school and out of school and also a Brazilian jazz singer. And it turned into a business where I was a contractor and uh, got super busy and started contracting other dancers and other bands outsourced to do gigs and classes and workshops. And um, So when somebody says you're a triple threat, you're like a you're like a, a multi triple 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 threat. Oh, yeah. You have it all. You, <laughs> I think you're probably giving me way too much. Sing, credit. dance, <laughs> book, produce, publicize. I mean, you know, I like my my college degree is in something called the Studio for Interrelated Media. So we literally did everything, including yeah. the performance and the production. So yeah, I, I think we're coming from a similar place. Absolutely. See, I love that. Yeah, I actually, I, I was a classically trained ballet dancer, and my dad was the one to sit me down and go, look, you, you can't go to college for dance. You've been dancing your whole life. Like, pick something else. So I ended up picking business administration with minor in dance, and, um, you know, my heart was still in dance, but thank goodness for the business side. And it, because of that, I've evolved into what I call um, an artist in a business suit. And... Um, I like that a lot. Yeah, it's, it's and it does describe wow. you as 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 much as I know you. I think it describes you that way too, right? You're totally an artist in the business suit. Well, yeah, I, I, I think so, and I think that's why we, you know, I think that's why we're such good buds. <laughs> you know, we we've seen we've seen through. We can look at each other, whatever role we're doing, and know that yeah, that, that seems right for the other person, you know, because I know what their passion is, is this, and they're bringing this element of uh, creativity to whatever role they're doing right now. Absolutely. Um, I think what multi-passionate people bring to the table is also the ability to pretty much talk to anybody, um, no matter where they're coming from, because we we can think both left and right brained. And, um, 
it enables us to have uh, a solid community of all different kinds of people, um, which can be a reflection of our well-roundedness, but uh, also forces us to grow into more well-rounded people and, um, and situations. So for that, I'm like super grateful and, um, so psyched that you're doing this podcast, by the way. Uh, well, well, let me ask you something really, really quick. Cause I know I'm jumping a little bit from like, that's like really deep, like in the past, but like, let's go to right today. Yeah. Like, let's go to us doing this thing that we're doing right now. I want to know, how did you get prepared to talk to me? Who's like your friend uh, for this podcast where I didn't even know what it was going to be. And we're defining it as we go along. Was there anything that I feel like you're a good person to start this with, too, because you either meditated about it or you thought about it? I feel like you didn't stress about it, but I feel like you definitely came prepared because I know that you're 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 smart and thoughtful and didn't want to not prepare and come on here. Um, that's great. <laughs> I'm glad you think that. Um, I would say that. Um, and by the way, I want the answer to be I didn't prepare for this at all. Yeah, I you know, honestly, Clay, I, I didn't I didn't prepare. I didn't write anything down as far as that sort of plan preparation goes. However, um, I do think about things and I always want to come to conversations being prepared to listen more than I speak, mm. um, especially new situations. Um, I've been thinking a lot about this because as I move into compassion-based work, which is my new line of work, and um, really understanding how organizations scale or reorganize compassionately, um, in order to be effective and successful at that sort of work, you have to really listen to the problem and really understand it. You have to really be able to meet people where they're at. So um, as far as today's podcast goes, like, you're right, I didn't write anything down. I don't really have an agenda. But I can speak to, um, you know, the openness of a conversational exchange and being super excited to learn something new about you today. It, and not just have it be about me. <laughs> well, well, good, good. I mean, I didn't want it to be sort of like uh, an, an interview where I was. Uh, uh, that that's one way we could have taken this. I, I could have taken the knowledge that I knew about you and about your situation, and you know, like about uh, your new business, and just in and just asked you five questions, and that would have been it. You know, yeah. like I wanted it. I wanted this to be a little bit more. Uh, than that, but I also don't want it to be like a definitely wanted it to be like a natural conversation. Like we don't talk on the phone that often, you know. It, but uh, but when we do, it's always awesome. And like now, I feel like this is like an opportunity to like, okay, great. At least I can have this one. I can have this like, you know, just as a a memento of like where we're at, like in our our relationship in 2018 right now, and like where you're at, where your head is at. And, uh, and like what you're going to be doing. Yeah. I, I so love that play. I think, um, something that we both bring to the table is the ability to humanize a discussion and humanize a conversation. We talk to everybody regardless of, um, 
you know, whether they're at the top of a company or, you know, the janitor, we talk to everybody the same. Right, right. We everybody like human beings. And um, that's really how I think about my new chapter um, as a consultant and as a coach and as a trainer. And um, there's a lot of um, integrity that goes into play, um, not just in how I treat others um, as clients or customers or potential, you know, prospects and customers, clients, but also how I treat myself. So hmm. you refer to a Facebook Live that I did a couple weeks ago. I was just kicking the tires. It was my first time out. I had no fucking idea what I was doing. <laughs> I just like I think it took me a half an hour to figure out how to turn the thing on. Right, right. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, but once I got going, it, it was really the flow of it became more apparent that my biggest struggle as I move forward and what I'm constantly reminding myself and thinking about as I move into this new chapter of, of work and work life is what it means to have an integrated character. Um, the way that I think about that is um, who I am at my core, my core values um, my passions, my drive, my work experience, my life experience, um, fused with conditioning, right? Because we're all conditioned to behave a certain way. Of course. Think, like most of our personality is like developed by the time we're five. Um, so we react to, uh, situations based on how we are conditioned. And, um, I've been, I think, you know, I've, I've been a big, um, meditator for many, many years and I've really deepened my practice in more recent times, especially because I'm moving into compassion based work. And so I've really been thinking a lot about what it means to have an integrated character within myself and how I apply myself to, um, situations at work in my personal life, in my family life, in my romantic life, across the board, so that I show up as a complete human being in all situations. And like, what does that mean? What does that look like? There's a constant dialogue going on in my head about this kind of stuff. Oh, me too. And, yeah. and one, one thing is that um, I... I don't practice meditation in a sort of traditional sense, but I feel like I do I do meditate on the day and I do take time to relax to and to empty my my brain uh, and uh to to do that meditative uh step. Uh but one thing that I know is just like about how how busy your brain is and, and to to turn that off and and then it and then thoughts come coming in again like as much as i try to be compassionate and nice and put up a front and uh and you know deal with the people my coworkers like who are the people that i spend so much time with you know i i know that i'm i'm towing the line between like 
where I am really that nice, easygoing guy, but I definitely have, my first instinct is to lean on the conditioning that I do have where I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. I'm going to, I'm going to kick a chair (laughs) over. I'm going to like freak out. I'm going to, I'm going to say, oh, what the fuck is this situation that's just dropped into my email inbox when I'm trying to practice the rest of the day by not doing that, by just saying, by like sort of like going with the flow. So I, uh, I just, uh, my motto that I've been recognizing in myself is that I don't always, I try to put up a front that like I'm this like, you know, really super go with the flow guy, but I can really quickly get to that point where I snap. So, like, I'm just trying to figure out for myself how I can actually, like, practice what I am, the mantra I'm teaching myself, like, or or telling myself all day. Yeah. Yeah, that's, um, that's so right on, Clay, and I struggle with that as well. I think um, what I've come to realize in my, uh, in my, in all my years is that I'm not actually a nice person. Um, <laughs> right. I, I, I think that, uh, people who know me, maybe not for a very long period of time, but know me in, in more of a superficial setting, like work acquaintances or through the industry, um, you know, handshake type relationships. Um, they may, uh, get the feeling that I'm a nice person, Um, I, nice to me describes this level of superficiality that is, is, um, it's almost like, uh, it's something that we like to put on the surface so that uh, people in front of us can feel more comfortable. Right. Um, but when you peel that layer off, there's something else going on behind that and it doesn't necessarily reflect the niceties. So maybe we're being polite and nice on the surface, but the minute they leave the room, we say or feel or do something else. And to me, um, what I've come to realize is that doesn't define an integrated character, which is what I was talking about before. Like, how do I show up? um, fully, fully and wholly integrated in a way that's sustainable. Um, so that maybe I'm not necessarily nice, but I am kind and I'm fair and I'm setting boundaries so that I don't react and become resentful later on. Right. I think that's also something I'm learning a lot about myself this year is, um, it's like almost for, it's almost a sustainability issue with yeah. um, being able to. Uh, it's 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 a boundary issue you just, you just touched on. It's I can't say yes to every uh, to every tour. I can't say yes to every. This person wants me to help them with their social media, even if it's for money. You know, I I can't do that and turn my back on like what I'm doing day to day, without you know, without really, without really taking a big chunk out of what other people are really expecting me to do for them. You know, like I, 
I, I'm surprised it took me this long, honestly. Just just start saying no. And I feel like I've done a really good job of that this year. And I'm actually really proud about it. I tell everybody. I actually told, turned this down. And I turned this down. I'm like really patting myself on the back for saying, no, I don't do that. Whereas last year at this time, I would be like, hey, guess what? I get to go do this cool thing. That's great. Yeah. You know, um, saying no actually uh, is, well, it's, it's what you just said. Is it... You, you've said it without saying it, which is, is it gives you a lot of freedom. Oh, um, it does. It does. Yeah. You know, and how you utilize that space is completely up to you. You can choose to do actions in other ways and do other things, or you can choose to, you know, inaction is also an action. You could choose to get more sleep or, um, you know, hit the gym or, take a walk or and that that's exactly what I I realized that by saying yes and this is really like between a I mean this is like post election this is 2017 I said yes to everything and like I and then this is now this is like another term for 2018 which is like I don't like to put that like big you know like new year's resolution thing on it but it really did kind of fall in that in that schedule uh, yeah. uh, sort of unintentionally because I feel like if that's like a lot of weight people put on the New Year's resolution thing. But but this year I said, you know what? This is when I'm going to start saying no. And you know what? I'm like, I'm starting to fall apart here. Like, I need to start going to the gym every day. Why don't I sit, Why can't I go to the gym? Because I've been doing too much for other people, like constantly. And now I feel actually like, oh, I can, I can do this balance where I can go to the gym and I can do extra projects on top of my other jobs, but I'm not going to say yes to everything. Yeah, I think I think that's um, such a healthy uh, decision to make for yourself and for the people around you. It, it because it it isn't just a, a selfish decision. It affects. It has a ripple effect. It it affects everybody that you touch. So I know people don't necessarily think about it that way, but. Um, you know, when you have a better and more balanced relationship with yourself, you're able to have a better and more balanced relationship with others because you can show up better. And, um, you know, we forget that everybody is so fucking busy these days. We forget that there is in fact a ripple effect and, you know, leaning in on that a little bit more clay, like, you know, maybe it isn't hitting the gym or um, taking a walk um, or a moment for yourself. Maybe it's moments to connect with others and have a human moment, mm-hmm. a human connection moment with somebody else. Mm-hmm. For example, like, hey, how you doing? And then continuing to walk down the street without waiting for the answer instead of having a moment to actually check in with somebody and hear how they are doing regardless of what the answer is. Mm -hmm. Even if it's an inconvenience of time to you for five minutes to listen to how somebody is doing because maybe they're not doing well and you're the person that they needed to be able to share how things are going for them that day because things have not been going well and maybe you are doing a huge service to this other human being without even realizing just by hearing them out. Um, that that's just so it's so great to hear that that's um, yeah, that, that like it's just 
it's it's a re- reaffirmation for me because I feel like there was there was a true real like and you know like uh you know I've like struggled with um you know I've been sober for a long time so uh but but the thing is like when you hit your bottom like I, I almost hit my bottom with um commitment I don't mean like outside of my romantic relationship but like with commitment with other things that just grew and it started taking over my my world like when um you know my partner Stacy like when her dad died well like I was like well I'm why am I not there to help her with this right now cuz I'm out doing some other thing and then you know like that was like you know what I need to I need to shut I need to start closing some of these doors I need to start shutting the lights off in some of these rooms because this person over here like needs me right now and even if it's just to to just listen or to just be there or just to like you know make sure there's food when she comes off of like her busy week where she's doing artsy things and out dancing and and like you know teaching classes and doing all the things that she does like so if I can be like a more centered person then I can like allow her to like sort of blossom and grow a little bit. That's such a beautiful way to look at it. And I think that it it's what you said, like in order to be, to be able to show up for our loved ones, um, it involves periodic check-ins with ourselves, periodic check-ins with prioritization and, you know, is this thing that I got to do really that important today because my partner is dealing with a death in the family? How do I reprioritize um, so that I can show up? Because my showing up in this instance um, has a real ripple effect in a positive way. And um, that's not to say that the other things that you have to do aren't important. So the other thing, like we have to be constantly showing ourselves a level of self-compassion too. the things that we have on our plates are important to us, regardless of what other people may think um, and their opinions of their and views on what we have on our plate. They we wouldn't have put them on our plate if they weren't somehow important to us. So, um, you know, just the, just the ability to check in and have that conversation with ourselves, an open conversation where we're not too judgmental and just go, you know, what would it look like if I shifted this up the list and this, you know, to next week, what would that look like? Is that doable? And, you know, I don't know if those conversations necessarily have to happen every day. Maybe for some people they do. Um, but how is it so hard? I mean, why? I, I guess I'm not like asking like why it's so hard to have those conversations. I find those conversations pretty easy to have with myself. But why did it take me, t- um, like, uh, I'll say it again, like reaching sort of like this commitment bottom until to be like this is unsustainable here like i i know that i can't have another drink or i'm gonna just drink myself silly Uh, like i know that i can't say yes to another tour let's say or it's i'm just gonna i'm gonna completely lose it you know like everything's gonna be i'm gonna risk everything 
I think um, that's actually, you know, in all the people that I've talked to um, in the business, and when I say the business, I mean the arts and entertainment business and technology business, uh, businesses and industries, like everyone I've talked to, even my, my members of my family, uh, my partner, you know, a lot of us, we have to hit rock bottom in order to really get a clear understanding of how much we're losing by staying where we're at with there, there is a sort of a, a feeling of stuckness. And for those who are super self-aware and want to grow as human beings, and you, not everyone is like that. Some people are perfectly happy where they're at and that's their bliss. And I wish them well, good for them. Um, but for people who are super self-aware and interested at, um, in a growth path as a human, as a human being, right. uh, you know, for those people, oftentimes we have to hit one extreme to really get a clear picture of how much we're missing out on the rest of our life, potentially, right? And um, it's certainly happened for me. Um, I, I, I can relate um, on a deep personal level and um, and some of my closest, dearest friends and family members have been there as well. And I've, it's painful to watch them go through it, but it's such a great life lesson. And, you know, going back to what we were talking about meditation and meditation practice to me, um, I came up in Zen meditation, but I have, um, I have transformed my practice into sort of a, a loving kindness, uh, metta, it's referred to, um, uh, meditation practice in combination with Zen. And for me, it's really about the letting go, the forgiveness and the mm -hmm. letting go and not so much the shutting it down. So, mm -hmm. um, for example, um, you know, the, the cravings of another drink, the, um, wanting or desire for, uh, more money, um, a different partner, a new life, a new car, a new clothes, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, yeah. a body, whatever, whatever the desire is, those desires don't necessarily go away for as long as we are like, <laughs> um, not brain dead. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And you know, um, these thoughts come up and, and that's okay. Like it's, I think first and foremost, it's to allow ourselves to be okay with the idea that that is okay. It's going to happen and it's okay. It's a, it's part of being human. Meditation for me is being able to recognize that and then not clinging to it because mm -hmm. it's the, the clinging to it that keeps me stuck. It keeps me still in one spot and prevents me from growing. So I recognize that these thoughts and desires come up and then I wish them well and I let them go. And that is really the gist of my meditation practice. Um, it's the act of letting go so that I can be open to something new. 
And boy, is that way easier said than done. It's so hard. <laughs> that That's sort of like what I mean about like this sort of example I give about how I might like feel like really super angry or frustrated. And I'm going to, I'll put this in the context of, of work because you're, that's, that's where you're working in is, is, is this. And, and we can talk about more about what you're bringing to people, which is like this service is really needed. It's like, I, uh, you know, I could, I, I, I think it's okay that I feel frustrated and, and it's okay that I'm sad or that my partner's sad or that there's, I feel overwhelmed, but, uh, like that's not ever going away, but it's like, you know, it's, it's dealing with it sort of in the moment where you like need to make a decision on how am I going to deal with this? <laughs> and I think dealing with it in like a sort of a calm, cool way is, is, is the way to go. As long as you realize that, you know, you kind of have no control over it, you know, but you do have control over your reaction and how you feel about things. Yes. It's so true. It's such a good point because, I'm able to handle situations, especially relational situations. So a confrontation, um, a difference of opinion, a discussion, even a brainstorm exercise when I'm doing team building, I'm able to contribute far more to the greater good when I'm completely present and open than when I come to the table with an agenda in my head and I'm in my head thinking about how things should go or should be based on my own personal experiences. Obviously, if someone asks me about an experience, um, I can speak to that. But if we're now, if we're here and now and we are trying to move forward into something new, especially in a creative space, um, I think being in your head is a great disservice to yourself and to the people who are in front of you. So how do you, uh, on a very basic level, what is it, what is the service that you provide and to what size uh, companies are are you looking to work with, and you know, do you have to scale your do you have to scale your uh, sort of mind map for how you're going to deal with everything based on like who it is that you're going to be trying to help? Yeah. Um, so I've been working on building this business, bootstrapping this business, which is currently um, I'm a freelancer. Um, for the last six months and I've had to pivot a couple of times, uh, because of, uh, in light of new information, mm -hmm. which is great. And, uh, it's an iterative process. And because I, um, am so very passionate about compassion based work or, otherwise known as compassion in the workplace. Um, you know, I don't really have, I wouldn't say no ego. That's the ultimate goal, but I do have some ego. Sometimes I have a healthy ego. Right. I'm working right. on it. But like, 
I try to go into each situation when I'm learning new information uh, and check my ego at the door because the goal is to build a successful business that will help as many people as possible. It's not really about me, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, I get, I get that. It, it seems like if you, depending on, well, actually, even in a group of three people or a group of three hundred people, there's going to be people that aren't going to be that aren't going to want to participate in this kind of activity. Oh, absolutely. You know? um, I already made peace with the fact that. Um, there, everywhere I go, there are always going to be people that I won't be able to reach, and that's okay. Um, if, if I if I even reach a small handful of people that can spark um, a new idea in others, there's the ripple effect that I'm going for. Right. So you know, reach other influencers like yourself, and um, really get the the word out there, um, specific to what I'm doing now, I am helping organizations scale or reorganize. Um, I go in and I talk to leadership. I, I, I conducted a study with 28 leaders and, um, did I say this already? No, no. <laughs> okay. This is all, I mean, this is, uh, I think maybe you talked about it in your Facebook live, but Okay, okay. You know, we're assuming that everyone, including me, doesn't know anything about what you're doing. Fair enough. Okay. So, um, Even though I'm lying to everybody, just, I know a little bit of what you're doing. Yes, you do. That's true. <laughs> so uh, back in December, I, I interviewed, uh, up until very recently, I interviewed 28 leaders. And leaders defined by, um, they are people in power whose day-to-day decisions directly affect others at work. That's how I defined leaders. And so some of these people are um, CEOs. Some of these people are C-level execs. Some of these people are leaders, but without direct reports. And some of these people are managers um, across five different industries. So healthcare, Mm. technology, education, government, and arts and entertainment. So I hit Five big ones. That's really, uh, I. This is going to be compliments, but that, that was very smart of you to to branch out of uh, you know arts and entertainment and also get into healthcare because I feel like the service that you're providing is just. I feel like it's just needed, like everywhere. Like that, yeah, it seems to be the consensus everywhere. Is- you start with the politics. And no matter what side of the aisle you're on, how worked up you are about that, and then you take that energy into work or or, or whatever, and it's just like, this is like needed more than anything. There needs Absolutely. to be 100,000 LJs that you are... <laughs> I totally are... agree. Well, I don't know about LJs. I think there needs to be 100,000 people who do this kind of work, for sure. And it there definitely seems... You're really to skating to where the puck is, or, or whatever it is that... Yeah, it would be be wonderful to be able to scale what I do into um, a consulting firm uh, that provides this type of service. Um, I just I just recently got back from South by Southwest 2018 and uh, went to 
probably two dozen panels on CSR, which is corporate social responsibility. It's a huge trend right now. And people more than ever are trying to figure out what it means to be socially responsible at work. Um, a lot of it is externally directed. So uh, people are looking at B corporations, which is essentially a for-profit company who takes a portion of their profits and puts it back into the community. So mm-hmm. um, sort of like a, a for-profit that has a smaller nonprofit inside of it mm-hmm. that operates that way, and which is just wonderful. Uh, there's a lot of really great work um, happening in that space. But to me, I think it's just logical that we look inside. Um, you know, like you said, it's so needed. I I feel like every single person I talk to about my work has a story to share. Um, you know, of being miserable at work or having an altercation with a boss or, um, you know, sexual harassment or being bullied or, um, some sort of relational issue at work, even if it isn't that extreme, it's, you know, feeling like they're not heard, feeling disrespected, feeling unappreciated, feeling invisible, feeling like they don't have a growth path. Um, And that puts a chip on that person's shoulder. And they are just full of resentment. And they, you know, and I've been, I've been that person. And I've, I I can be that person today if the right person calls me or calls me out on something, you know, like I can go right back to that, like super quick, <laughs> you know, and, and like, but if I feel like if bosses can be better or if bosses can ask how they can be better, then, uh, you know, that, that really starts the, the culture, right? Like if, if a boss is like, Am I even, if the boss is feeling like they're floating around, like, am I even being a good boss? I feel like bad bosses don't think stuff like that, but, <laughs> you know. Yeah. I, it's really a very individual thing. And there, there's so many work styles out there. And many people in management are not trained to be in management. They were doing a great job as an individual uh, contributor, and then they were promoted. But the man, the management skill set is an entirely different skill set. And, you know, in talking to all of these leaders across these five industries, the consensus across the board is that in order to have a compassion-based work culture, two things have to happen. The money people at the top, so the C-level and the administration and the board, the money people, they have to completely buy in and practice a, comp- a compassionate culture, uh, compassionate culture behavior, so that it, it is from the top down. And additionally, there needs to be an influencer from the inside out. So somebody within the organization, maybe someone in mid-level management, maybe an individual contributor, maybe somebody who is entry-level, um, And one of the leaders that I spoke to suggested that it needed to be from the bottom up um, uh, as well. Uh, You know, somebody from the inside says to themselves, well, I am a compassionate person and I'm going to behave compassionately 
in my organization because it's the right thing to do. So two things have to happen simultaneously. It needs to be top down and from the inside out. Mm -hmm. And that builds a sustainable, compassion-based culture. Yeah. So things like, you know, open door policies, they're great. But for people who are introverted and shy um, or don't feel safe at work, for whatever reason, the, the, the culture has made them feel unsafe to speak out, they're not going to utilize and leverage that open door policy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so how do we help those people? So the study shows that the way we help those people are by approaching them, taking time to check in, going over to their desk, having conversations over coffee, creating a safe space and an understanding about, you know, asking the right questions and meeting them where they're at and just understanding people. So that's compassion without any ulterior motive of like, you know, or agenda, like you need to do your job better, dude, or anything like that. Just checking in because it's the human thing to do. Um, that sort of behavior cultivates compassion. It also cultivates happier workers, which cultivates loyalty, which cultivates higher productivity and therefore contributes more to the bottom line for the organization. So why wouldn't you want to put these types of processes in place? The, I, I, I keep thinking about how um, I've, I've been like this for a long time now but i i do recognize uh when when this happens like so you know like i i'm in a i work in a small office where i'm not the boss but i have a direct report and i have interns so i have people that report to me um so i try as much as i can to uh to you know offer like my intern was like where can I get a cup of coffee? Like, is there a coffee upstairs? It's like, yeah, but you know what? Like, do you want to go for a little walk and like, we'll go get a coffee together. Like I'll, I'll take you to Starbucks. And like, you know, I, I remember people buying me Starbucks for, for no real reason when I was an intern before. And I just thought it was, I thought it was the best. I was like, Oh, I'm saving, you know, $5 on this coffee right now. But it was like more for me. I felt like I was like, Hey, let's like go like talk for a little while today and so like i i did that and like i would do the same thing with the you know my boss who i sit in the in the office with you know every day and like i you know and when people come in that direct report to me like i i i stop what i'm doing i ask them how their weekend was and you know i'm not like looking at my phone and you know like i i think that that's like a, a very small like thing that you could do but um you know i like to make people feel like they're have that respect, you know, for them and <laughs> their time. They're there. You know what I mean? Oh, my goodness. I just love that, Clay. I mean, honestly, they must, uh, those sound like such impactful actions. And they they must really enjoy working with you. Those Those types, people don't necessarily remember what you talk about, but they remember how they feel mm. when talking to them, right? People remember feelings. They remember if there was a sour taste in their mouth when they had a conversation with you. They remember that they felt warm and fuzzy when they went, you know, uh, these are hypotheticals, you know, when they 
when they went for that walk with you and you bought them a coffee, like those feelings are, are long lasting way beyond the actual topic of conversation or the deliverable action. Uh, but, um, but I also rec- I'll recognize too that I'll even, I'll, I'll admit too that, you know, I'm not like trying to make myself out to be like super altruistic. I'll, I'll notice that I will have said something that maybe I shouldn't have said or something that maybe could have like come across as like really uh, offensive <laughs> to to somebody that I was also in in the office like working with and I've been like oh boy like I, there's no whatever I just said was there's not even any there's no not even getting out of this at all. I can't explain it. I can't say I'm sorry. It's just like too awkward. But like maybe by like my actions, like in the long run, I've done. A, I did this one small bad thing, but maybe I've done a hundred good things. So maybe they'll totally forget about that one <laughs> weird thing that I did or said. Oh my goodness! I, you know, you really hit it. Like I have fucked up so many times myself. In you can't not fuck up. I mean, it's like. It's part of it. And I feel like we all fucked up a lot when we're in our 20s. And that's what you do, you know? But, like, then you fuck up when you're older and you're like, oh, what a fucking idiot. <laughs> well, you really you really said something when you said that, you know, action maybe can, can turn it around. I, I really do feel like action is redemption. And, and apology is is a great start. But then following it up with action you know, builds trust back up again. And, and, you know, if, if you have shown in good faith, you've shown a lot of positivity before, before the fuck up, (laughs) you continue (laughs) to show a lot of positivity and inclusivity after the fuck up, it really, you know, we, people begin to see this is an exception. And I'm also a crazy person. I think that maybe I might have said something that maybe offended somebody that they probably didn't even hear or, or like it didn't affect them at all. You know, like, you know, like, yeah, yes. Yeah. Which I, I'm I'm good at that too. I'm fine with that. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, and, and that's like, yeah, yeah, that that's sort of me being like, like directly in the middle. Like I have direct reports, and I'm not in charge anymore. And I love not being in charge anymore. I love it so much. I love being. <laughs> I love having stuff to do for other people. I really do because I was in charge of something that was that was too big for one person to handle for for a long time. A very and, long time. And yeah. and now I can yeah now I can kind of like rest a little bit but i like to think that you know like it's it, you say it like comes from the inside like i like to think that i that i'm i'm in a unique position where i can throw it up and i can throw it down and yeah. hopefully it comes back to me in a good way too you know i everybody has a boss right like yeah. even when you're at the top you still have other people right that you have yeah of course to even if you're at the top of the top and you are the money person, um, you still have you have to answer for yourself. Like Jeff Bezos and Tim Tim Cook, like exactly. they have to answer like to the fucking world. That's right. You know, like there's exactly Elon there's Musk has to answer to the world. Like, why are you like sending this rocket to Mars? You know, like do you need to do that? You know, and then he says, "Yeah, and you're like, okay, well that's fine. We just need to ask you." 
know? As long as we live in a human society, we will be held accountable by our actions. Um, yeah. We have to answer for actions to someone. So what I, when I think about it in that way, it really evens the playing field. And mm. it enables me when I think about like what it means to talk to a buttoned up, a buttoned up CEO of a large conglomerate versus, um, you know, a CEO of a, a three person startup company. Um, you know, it enables me to, you know, humanize the playing field. So again, like you and I, we, we are, we have this ability to talk to everybody in the same way. And, um, it's, it's, it doesn't involve any ass kissing. Um, and it doesn't involve making people feel small. It involves having human conversations and taking the time to understand where people are at and why, you know, what troubles them and why, what motivates them and why. And having a real conversation about that kind of stuff is far more impactful than do your job and do it. I need it done by the end of the day, you know? So, um, you know, it's more permission based, it's more inclusive and people want to show up. Oftentimes they show up early and they stay late without even being asked (laughs) just because they're treated like an equal. Yeah. If they want to be there. Sure. Like, of course, that's what I always, I like to, I want to think of myself. I want people to like, there's a certain kind of attention that I crave myself, like to, you know, feel good about myself. And more and more, I guess everybody wants attention in a way. But, like, the kind of attention that I want is I want the kind of attention and respect where people are, like, like asking me to be their mentor in some way. Like, I would, I love that. I would be, like, so honored if some, if some kid was, like, I really see, like, what you do with your comic book podcast and I read all of your news posts which I know that this person doesn't exist, but if some 18-year-old kid was like, I watch everything you do, and I just think it's great. What do I need to do to like work for you or something? I would just be like, I would start crying, and I would be like, come come over here. <laughs> just get over it. here, and I'll show you uh, everything. Uh, all of this is yours. Uh, I love it. All the, the 300 podcast downloads we had last month are all yours, you know? Like, I... I like want that kind of attention um but uh you know i'm not not really getting that kind of attention but it's like what i'm striving toward anyways um but like i feel like now how do you deal with um how do you deal with like people that are acting out like on uh on social media as a way of like just defining themselves and like, can, can someone exist in like a corporate environment and also be, uh, out there, like either having like a huge, like YouTube following. It's like the new rock star thing is happening right now on social media. Like, have you ever, have you thought much about that, about the, that kind of attention that people it's are getting? Such a good- question um i've never actually been asked that specific question before and i love it because um i do you know who seth godin is yes 
I'm a big fan of his and he calls it being famous to the family. So basically making a name for yourself within right, your right. industry, you become a household name within your industry. And, and if you can do that, um, you will be famous to the family. Your phone will ring. You will have, uh, a, a, uh, an ever, <laughs> um, a stream of business coming your way. Um, I don't know. And that's what, I, I mean, you've gone, like the, the the specifically to the study that you've done was in different markets and different there's there's this uh there's this concept in like whether it's you're a writer or or a podcaster or you're uh or you're you work for as for a big music promoter or you work in the medical industry or you're like a big name doctor it's all like the it's all sort of the same these days yeah, it's um it is a really interesting phenomenon and time for uh social media um, gurus and um and stars. And the way I think about it is what value am I bringing um to the table regardless of whether I have a corporate day job and social media is my social media rock starism is my side gig or I'm fully blown into a, being a social media marketer um, or content marketer um, you know regardless of, of how much time you're dedicating it uh, dedicating yourself to the project um, I ask myself what value am I bringing to this conversation and how can I be helpful in, in the way that I message things to others? Um, because I know that the very second I turn the limelight, so to speak on me, right. um, is it becomes this self-fulfilling, self-serving prophecy. Right. Right. Um, it's not, uh, really my style to begin with to do it that way. It does work for a lot of people in social media. And as, um, I, I follow a bunch of people on Instagram who are in fashion and, uh, social change for the greater good and, um, fashion for the greater good and other markets for the greater good. Um, but, uh, a lot of them make it about them um, it's an interesting angle, but it's not really one that I am taking right now. I it, I think it just makes me feel a little uncomfortable, honestly. Um, so when I mentor, and I know you mentor a lot too, and you must totally crush it as a mentor. I love that you enjoy doing that. And I don't know if you've known this, but you were a mentor to me as well, especially as I was... No, absolutely. As I was growing from art, the arts and entertainment industry into technology, you really um, helped me understand how to think about segueing those two industries. Since you're such a fantastic early adopter in in tech, um, like when I mentor, I tell. Um, especially my university students. And I mentor a lot of women in music who are looking to get into the business um, from university. Make sure that you go into every conversation figuring out how to help people um, in at least a few different ways. Mm -hmm. And if you do that, then the focus is on them. So, you know, 
I'm just going to do this exercise with you super quickly. Um, oh, I love it. Yeah, great. So, so Clay, uh, what are your three biggest challenges right now at work with regards to your relationships at work? And how can I help you? Oh, this is, this is great. So this is, so this is like, uh, this, is this something you do with your mentors or is this something you do with, um, with like the companies you work with? Everybody. I try to do it with everybody. I really try to kick it off with how can I help you? How, how can I understand, you know, what is the goal? Why is it the goal? What is the challenge? Why is that the challenge? And oh. how can I help you? Okay. So what are my three different challenges with my relationships at work? Is that it? Yeah, that'd be great start. Great I, I, I would say a big challenge I have is, and I think we've probably talked about all three of these things, but maybe just two and I'll add another one. How, how can I be... Uh, how can I be a team player in the way that I am not just like sort of like a loud mouth uh, t- toward the, my superiors? Um, in, in, in what way can I could I be a little less? Uh, I, I it's hard to put it into words, but a little less like back talky or like. A per- the perception that like what I'm doing is like giving if I question my superiors how can I how can I go about it so that it doesn't seem like I am uh, you know just giving them attitude when actually what I'm doing even though through my condition I think it comes out a little a little sharp like how how can I get it so that I'm giving feedback to my superiors without like me sounding like a jerk or like that I'm pushing back at them when I'm just giving like my honest feedback or my opinion, or it might be something off the cuff. That's a joke, but really that's kind of how I want to do things. Like that's, that's number one, I would say with my, with my superiors. And then number two, I would say, um, how can I, I do this thing where I, uh, I mentioned where like I'll, I'll bring my interns and, and you know, the, the part-time person, like, out to coffee or, like, bring them out to lunch or, like, I I buy them, you know, like, I buy them books that I think are helpful. And it, what's, a, what's a better way to do that that's not, um, that's not as much of a, a, a physical, like, sort of reward? Like, here's, thanks for working for me, here's a book, you know? Um, and the third thing I would say is, uh, in relationships in my work is like, how do I, how do I like do this? This is very simple, actually. How do I get an email and respond to a quick, a question quickly, uh, without somebody like thinking that I'm, you know, like just, I I think I've gotten to the point where I say I'm sorry I'm on my phone. The, the quick answer is this. I'll talk to you more about it later. But how do I say, like, answer something quickly without like kind of being terse or sharp? I think I've got like some sharp edges that I I need to dull down a little bit to be like a little bit better at work. I love it. Those are three really great challenges. 
really thoughtful too, Clay. You really you. I, I think about this shit all day. I really yeah. do. I can tell. Um, yeah, you really you have really fleshed them out, and I love that. Um, it it again. It's and before today, I had no way of talking about it. Oh wow. Well, I'm so glad we're having the conversation. Yeah, I mean this this podcast and with you, it's just like I I think I you know I I read GTD, I, I listen to Back to Work, I listen to like people thinking about like you know not just making money, but like in, you know incorporating work into their life and having a work life balance and th- like these are constantly like what I'm listening to. Like people think I'm listening to like you know lag wagon on the train. I'm not. I'm like trying to be a better person. Uh, I just, I love it. I'm so excited to be doing this with you. Um, these three challenges, I think, are totally universal. And so I'm really... Uh, <sighs> well, that's any- actually a relief because I feel like I, I, I'm i like, this is, this is, these are all parts of my personality that I don't like about myself. Oh, wow. Well, I think you're being too hard on yourself, if I may say so, sir. Okay. But well, I- thank you. That, that's great. I'm glad to hear that other people are experiencing the same thing. Oh, my. Absolutely. I think that these are universal challenges and, you know, everybody can bring their own um, communication style to the table when addressing them. Um, I can certainly share with you um, how I, I would address them. Would that be OK? Oh, I love that. Uh, yes, please. Cool. OK, so uh, I just did what I would say. Um, what I would recommend you could do uh, with your superiors, your bosses, your management, your coworkers, your colleagues, and even your direct reports, um, which is permission-based action. Um, so people like to be asked. Uh, like you just did it with me. Exactly. I know, and I noticed that you asked me that a couple times today exactly people like to be asked they don't like to be told they like to be asked before um they uh get an outpour of new ideas suggestions recommendations opinions etc directives um and so on so um my suggestion would be to uh try a permission-based uh role play with your management with upper management to your superiors um, when relaying a message so um, that you you aren't, as you said, just a, a mouthpiece or just talking. You have actually gotten their buy-in to offer um, some new information to them. And so you want to frame it in a way that they've been invited to hear what you have to say. And you do need to wait for the answer. So they may come back to you and say, thank you, Clay, but no, thank you. I don't want your opinion on this. Right, right. And you have to be okay with that. There needs to be some resolve. They are in um, in a superior role to you, uh, perhaps. And if that's the case, then they have the right to say, thank you, but no, thank you. And, and frankly speaking, everybody at work should and does have the human right to say thank you, but no thank you when asked their permission. But asking opens the door and it certainly gets people to be on the offensive instead of the defensive when asked, when getting them to buy into a new idea that you may want to share. 
Well, when you did this Jedi mind trick on me just now, it did, it threw me off a little bit, but not in a way that I was, that, like, I'm used to being thrown off. I'm used to be thrown off by having somebody saying, like, some cutting thing under their breath. This is, like, the, the exact polar extreme opposite of that, which is, could I ask you, uh, you know, do you want my feedback on this? Exactly. It was exactly like, why? Yes, of course. Of course I do. Of course I want to know what you think about this. And that is the typical response. When people are asked for their permission, typically they are very open to hearing what you have to say. And they feel so happy and excited <laughs> to hear it because you've included them. So it's inclusive wow. action. Wow. That is yeah. so great. It really reframes things. It's, it's, uh, it's a great it's a great tactic, communication tactic, when you're trying to get buy-in for a new idea that you may have and want to bring to the table. Um, your second question, which was, uh, you know, interns, uh, you're taking interns to lunch or coffee, and sometimes you buy them books, and alternative rewards for that uh, versus, meaning, um, do you, can you give them alternative rewards um, than just, you know, um, books and things that cost money even, right? Right. Um, right. And the, the answer, in my opinion and in my experience, is absolutely yes. And the way that you go about that is, is very case by case. So um, those conversations can start at, on a one-on-one, -on -one, um, you know, in the office, where you're learning about them and what motivates them and why. Some people are motivated by money. Other people are motivated by music. Some people are motivated by flexibility and the ability to work from home. Um, some people are motivated by uh, accolades and appreciation with words. People receive love and appreciation differently. So, your job as a manager, as a great leader, um, and someone who wants to uh, bring a compassion-based work culture to your office, um, you know, welcomes those kinds of conversations. So really like drilling down with that person to find out what motivates them in, in their unique way and why it motivates them will essentially just give you the roadmap to learning what you need to do when you want to show your appreciation. To they get, will let, let them tell me what it is that, exactly. you know, it's just picking, picking up on the signals that they're, they're giving off. That's absolutely right. And then you don't have to guess. They already know the answer. You just have to ask the right questions. Oh, I love it. Yeah. Wow. This is so great. Awesome. I'm so happy. It's helpful. Yeah. And then the, the third question, I just love this one. This question I've actually gotten a lot um, over the years of speaking on panels, um, industry panels in arts and entertainment, music business more specifically. Um, you know, how do you email uh, so that it doesn't come off with a quote unquote tone? to it yeah and, and I, I i feel like i'm sorry to interrupt but i i get a lot of emails that are quickly sent from their phone that's a ticket count that's a that's a load in time 
that's a I you know that's just a one word reply and that's all I want. I'm not like offended by getting those, but I don't want to be like dropping bombs or like tiny grenades into someone's e- email box thinking that I'm like just this like disconnected jerk. <laughs> I totally can appreciate this so much. <laughs> Um, you know, the thing is, is like when we're busy and we're typing, tone does actually transfer into words. So we do want to put the right kind of energy into the way that we type and the way that we think about the words that we're putting down on virtual paper, be it text, email, message, messenger, whatever. Um, that said, Uh, My answer and response to this question typically is know your audience. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you have somebody who emails you or messages you in a typical curt, short, no emotion type of fashion, you can probably assume that you could respond in a similar fashion and everything will be okay. Um. In, in the sense where people take time to um, uh, put together a thoughtful message, um, they use greetings and salutations, they're polite in their, in their context, um, I think it warrants a little bit more thought and uh, kindness and a little bit more time back. And mm-hmm. if you can't do it, you already said it yourself, you know, just you preemptively say, sorry, this is coming from my phone. Um, the, the short answer is no. Uh, let's talk later and more in depth. Right. That's usually what, usually what I could say is, oh, you needed a quick answer. This is it. But there, there's a little bit more to it. You know, I, I don't have time to get into it right now or like you know my uber is coming or something like you know i'll get back to you later but yeah like you know it's exactly the show starts at nine okay (laughs) doors are at eight the show's at nine (laughs) i could totally appreciate that (laughs) yeah um yeah those kinds of conversations can be tricky to navigate because if you don't know your audience and you don't really know the personality of the person that you're dealing with i always like to err on the side of being kind it oh, takes it's such a great lesson you I know it. it it probably is going to take you five maybe ten more seconds to put to drop in a couple more words that make it feel good and warm yeah. um and uh and then if you do say like always like if you're going to say something like um, let's talk later. Be sure to follow up, follow through with what you say you're mm-hmm. going to do when you say you're going to do it. And, and that builds trust and, yes. um, and, and this sense of community and inclusivity, uh, that again, maybe just five or 10 more seconds to the email. That's all it takes to make it a little bit more warm and human sounding. So, uh, if you don't know your audience, Try to be a little bit more kind. And then when you once you learn their preferred method of contact, like some people prefer to be texted, some people prefer emails, some people prefer that you just pick up the phone. Mm. Um, once you learn that about that person, try to stick with that. And um, they will learn to trust that that is 
how you know them. People want you to know them in a way that makes them feel comfortable. Uh, I'll add a I'll add a postscript of my own to this, which is also yeah we're all like super busy. I'm not a react to the email that just dropped into my e- inbox. Like I check my email every ten minutes through the computer. I might not even reply. I might read, and then I'll reply when I have time. Like I I think a lot of people might be hearing that ping go off on their phone or seeing the little red badge and immediately need to think they need to do something with it when it could probably wait an hour or even a day. So uh, I, I do think that that's something that if other people are having the same problem I'm having, just if it can, if it can wait till you have time to reply, you should do it then. Absolutely. You know, do you, um, have you ever gotten an out of office email from our buddy, Danny Millen? Oh, he, I was going to say, He's, I, I learn a lot from Dan in the same way I learn a lot from you. And it surprises me from Dan. He's got a, maybe he's episode two. He was texting me like while we were doing this, but like, uh, he really does, uh, do these, these same things. I think I learned the, the, I'm sorry, I'm on my phone message just from him like within the past like few weeks and I'm like yeah that's actually that's really good because that 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 takes the that takes the bite out of it a little bit and and Dan's just like he's sometimes just like fuck it I'm too overwhelmed I'm gonna let the world know that I can't get back to you he is he is the king of communicating um through out of office or, you know, when, when he gets overwhelmed, he is really great at setting up auto messages to manage his inbox. And he's super clear and concise about the situation. So you always know where he stands. You know, he can't get back to you right away, but you know, he's gonna. And, you know, I've always really admired that about Dan. I know he's going to. Every every single time. I mean, you know, I work with him, but, like, I know he's going to get back to me. Yeah, exactly. He always does. It's absolutely true. But the other, the other part of this is, is that he's figured out that holding statements, which is what those auto emails are, um, is a way for people to feel satiated in the moment. So they, they know they're not hearing from Danny in a personal way yet, but they know that something's coming. And, you know, oftentimes we don't set our auto messages out, up and, you know, days, sometimes weeks go by because we're just buried in email. Um, long gone are the days where I'm getting 250 emails a day, but I think those days are, are, will be coming again. <laughs> They're coming. Starting I'll tell you. Again. But, uh, yeah, like, um, you know, there's, there is a great way to continue to communicate with people, um, so that they feel like the trust and the communication lines are open and still, and not broken. And so, uh, Danny is the king of that. I, I really have always admired that about him. He's always been on top of it. And I've learned a lot from him as far as that's concerned. So, yeah, I wanted to use that as, as an example. He's a, he's a national treasure. <laughs> he certainly and, is. And, and you know what? He's, he probably is going to be episode two. He's definitely going to be in the episode top five. 
I love it. I'm totally going to tune in. But I, uh, I, I think that I, I, I'm going to say this: we went long because I said we were going to talk for 20 minutes, and my my regular podcast only lasts an hour, so we definitely went long. Even though this is the first one, we're setting our own expectations. Well, I th- it seems like it went by so quickly because I have had so much fun doing this. I'm so honored, LJ, that you would take this much time and to give me actual, like, for real, for real, for real things that I could apply to myself, like, and my behaviors, like, starting now, you know? Like, uh, so you have to tell everybody how they can learn more about, like, what you do. Where, where are you online? Like, what's, what's next? What's happening? Yeah, awesome. Yeah, so um, I'm actually launching like it's it's already launched, but I'm I am really launching, getting the word out this week about my new website, which is compassionatemuse.com. I love uh, it. Compassionate Muse as uh, the brand and dot com, and um, I am on Facebook. So Facebook, I think it's slash Compassionate Muse. And, um, yeah, we are live this week. Um, this Wednesday night, I think our, yours and my, this particular podcast episode will take place after the fact, but wanted to let you know anyway, that this Wednesday night, I will be doing a Facebook live from the compassionate muse Facebook business page on, um, the me too movement and how I have navigated 23, 23 years of being in the arts and entertainment business um, uh, with uh, dealing with sexual harassment, uh, harassment of in general, bullying. I have lots of stories that I can share and how I've navigated through that, um, what I consider to be successfully. Um, and yeah, and then, you know, calling on uh, some people who will be joining us on the call to, to tell their story as well. So I'm really psyched about that. And, uh, moving forward, um, anybody can reach out to me, uh, by email, which is LJ, just the initials LJ at compassionate news.com. Oh, that's so great. And, uh, it, even if our, our, my podcast is going to be out late. Uh, I'll do my best to tell people about your Facebook Live thing on uh, all of my other channels, and uh, you know, possibly give them. Th- it's. It seems like even no matter if somebody listens to this, like you know, six months from now, that that video will probably still be up. It's very important, and then you'll probably have more videos. Absolutely, that's the plan. Um, so appreciate that. Uh, Clay, it is a super relevant subject right now. Um, and I think it's really important that not only do we have a platform to talk about what it means to navigate uh, harassment and bullying uh, in the workplace, but also um, have solutions and action steps that we can take into our uh our workplaces as well. So it's great to be able to be brave enough to step come forward and talk about our stories. But I think that that's only half the story. And the other half is great. Now, what are we going to do about it? And here's some action steps to take into our lives and our work as we move forward. And you said it right then too. It's your, it's, this is life. This is your life. This is work is your life. 
work doesn't have to be your whole life, like all consuming, but also, you know, if you're dealing with the Me Too movement, you're dealing with compassion, you're dealing with, you're dealing with, uh, bullying, like you said. I mean, this is your life. This, this follows you around like a dark shadow all fucking day. And we, you know, like you need to be compassionate probably with yourself and then, uh, and, and all the great lessons you're going to be teaching at this Facebook Live video. So I, I, sounds amazing. And, uh, you're doing such a great service and you're my friend and I love you and thank you for coming on. This has been so awesome. I love you, Clay. This has been just such a pleasure and such an honor. I'm so excited for you in this new podcast. I'm sure it's going to be a great success. Thank you for having me tonight. This is just awesome. Thank you. I, I can't. Th- this is, I couldn't have started off with a better episode. So thank you so much. <laughs> thank you. I'm putting my hands together in Namaste. <laughs> thank you very, very much. <laughs> All right, you, give me. Um, you got to give me a bumper. Say like. Uh, uh, just, why don't you just say, yeah, this is LJ, and I think this is great. This is LJ, and I think this is great. <laughs> That's perfect. I'll just have everybody do that at the end. I love it. <laughs>